0: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric, name Walkie Bucks supporter at The Athletic, Wisconsin. And joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of Brewhoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy?
1: I feel like it's been a been a, been a few, Eric. Uh, so glad yeah. glad to be back. And uh, I think I think the last couple of weekends where we've recorded on Sunday, it's been split decisions. Uh, there we we've seen the Bucks. I think it was what they they beat the Hornets, then lost to the Spurs. Uh, they beat whoever they beat for oh, uh, Miami. And then they lost to uh, Philly last weekend. So it's nice to to talk uh, after a couple of wins, you know, uh, getting back on track after that, uh, you know, injury riddled loss in Cleveland. We, we get to see the bucks you know, look like the bucks basically uh, and get a little healthier <laughs> uh, and have, you know, kind of a, a good uh, wood laying weekend with, uh, with the heat on Friday and the Cavs on Sunday. And of course the Sunday game made, all the more special by Marcus Anderson. Uh, Marcus Anderson.
0: Marcus Johnson. <laughs> Marcus wow, Johnson. Big, getting... big Bucks fan you are, Frank. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I know. Seriously, because uh, I, I, I kept saying how like this was like one game, the one regular season game I would have liked to come back for, um, given just how great Marcus has been the last few years and just what he's meant to the franchise. So figures that I somehow managed to botch his name in the <laughs> intro but uh shout out to marcus and um i i'm i'm jealous of everybody who got to be there in the building and um was was glad that the uh, fox sports wisconsin obviously carried the ceremony in its entirety and uh very cool to see um everybody who came out and and to see marcus um you know visibly um you know touched by by the outpouring of support and just to see you know, i think he held it in really well. And then to see uh, to see the the jersey, the number going up into the rafters, um, it clearly kind of got to him right as uh, right as the banner was being raised. So very, very cool way to cap off um, a Bucks weekend. Oh, yeah, the Bucks have
0: 55 wins. That's that's pretty damn cool, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess let's start with Marcus a little bit. Um, uh, I last week I had a chance to talk with them and uh, that story and conversation went up at the athletic and um, you know, tonight I was getting done with, you know, everything that, that I was doing post game, you know, transcribing all that kind of stuff and got done with that. And as I was walking out, I happened to walk by Marcus and <laughs> uh i just shook his hands like congr- congratulations and you know how 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 was it and he's like oh eric eric is it great it's great you know so it was, uh, people in milwaukee obviously it's all great and and then he's like oh and, and you know and thanks for thanks for writing that story That that was great and in my head i was like dude, it was a Q and a with you. Like you, you wrote the article. (laughs) (laughs) Like like, It's it's you, but you know, like I, I think that that to me, uh, and again, like, it's just like a, you know, like a silly walk by anecdote that, you know, I'm having with Marcus Johnson there, but like that to me is like, I think why he's been so he's been welcomed back in such a strong way by Bucks fans, because like, I think, you know, the way he engages with people on social media, like just the way that he's just generally engaging with, with fans and, you know, at games and just like, as he's walking to and from the broadcast area, like, you know, he'll shake hands. he will talk to people and, you know, like he'll just be Marcus. And like, to me, that kind of, to me encapsulated why I think, nights like this are so are just so cool and so special and those moments are so special is because you know like that it it lets people see who that that guy is that you know they see on tv sometimes or you know they watched play when when he was uh when he was younger like you kind of get those moments and that to me it it was just perfect that you know a story he essentially wrote (laughs) he, he thanked me for it and like it was like no man like you're the star like you you are the guy and yet i i feel like everyone that he kind of comes in touch with and you know he ends up seeing like he ends up making feel that way so i think for a night uh i think have milwaukee show him that type of love and you know make him feel <laughs> that way uh to have him break down you know as the the jersey or the numbers going up into the rafters, like I, I just thought it was it was just great.
1: Yeah, and I mean the the only downside is you only have you know a very short compressed time period during halftime of a game, and so that's the only downside, right? Is that you really can't take <laughs> as much time. Like the, people come up and speak, and it's like, all right, you got thirty seconds <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, it's, the funny it, th-
0: the funny thing of it all was like I I looked at Matt Velasquez like as was having, I was like there's no way they have time for this and there was like i think like six or seven minutes left on the clock when uh marcus stepped up to the podium and i looked at him and i was like yeah i i mean i don't think there's any way marcus is going to talk for 30 seconds in there and to get this thing up in the rafters right and he was like yeah no th- there's no way that's possible and sure enough like all of a sudden, it got down to four thirty on the clock, and then they just stopped it there and just let it let let Marcus go for as long as he wanted. And you know, you had the players come out there too, but yeah, it was like it. it you you do kind of wish like you could just have like a night long ceremony where all the players that were there got to talk about them and didn't share stories. But yes, the the condensed version is a little bit frustrating. So
1: basketball wise, um, I don't know if Sunday's game obviously told us a whole lot about the Bucks. Um, you know, Friday's was probably more interesting just because obviously this was a potential. Uh, Foreshadowing of the first round against the Heat, and obviously the Heat have caused the Bucks problems, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. In particular, uh, before that last game in in Miami, really, you know, being able to contain Giannis in ways that, that really, I don't know if any other team has really come close to to doing it with him. Um, so I thought Friday's game was was you know probably the more interesting one to start with, and um, I think you know it's it's interesting when we look back at what different teams have meant for the bucks in the context of a regular season in which you see lots of different looks and teams try different things against you. And, you know, you have to adjust and and figure out how to play different, different looks. I think I would probably call out the Hornets and Heat as interesting teams, because ironically, they are Kind of both right in that fight for the number eight seed in the East, so potentially playing the Bucks. Um, but it's interesting. We've talked a fair bit about the Hornets and how you know I don't know if any team has gone as small and had kind of patches of success the same way that that the Hornets have had over you know the three one uh, Bucks uh, win in the season series. But the Hornets, you know, from opening night through the rest of the season, they they kind of gave the Bucks some challenges, and the Bucks answered by probably switching against them as much as they've switched against maybe you know certainly against any single team um and probably a big share of their overall switching on the season although we've seen more switching probably over the last month than we saw in the first i don't know few months combined um so i think the the hornets have been sort of the team where the bucks have almost like practiced their switching the most against and the heat have been interesting because they have run i would say probably as much zone against the bucks as any team And in the first game in which the Bucs, you know, had that horrible back-to-back and they just missed every shot, you know, the Bucs were bad against the zone. And since then, they've generally been really, really good against the zone. And, you know, again, I don't know, some of that's just them figuring out some of that some just making shots. But I think it was interesting because, I mean, these last, I think the Heat are an interesting case study just because, um, one, I think that playing Kelly O'Linick and um, uh, Bam Adebayo is, is probably really smart in general as starters. I don't think it really works very well against Giannis in particular. Um, but I think it's been interesting seeing these teams kind of kind of duke it out because the Heat have not been bashful a lot trying out that that zone defense. That the Bucs have generally seems like they've sort of figured out how to attack it. Um, and I'm I'm curious um, if if there's anything else we've learned kind of from these these games against the Heat and and what might carry over to a first round playoff matchup. And likewise, the Hornets who got a massive back to back wins this weekend over the celtics and then a crazy buzzer beater maybe the craziest buzzer beater i've ever seen yeah ridiculous uh, by jeremy lamb <laughs> to beat the raptors um so those teams i think are very interesting but i don't know what do you what did you think of the heat on friday um were there takeaways kind of in the bigger picture for a potential playoff matchup or what did you see
0: um you know i i think i saw kind of exactly why i'm so dismissive of you know any of those teams in the first round like you know there's just a there's a talent gap between those teams but you know thinking about the the zone look that that the heat run um i I like to you know i like to think i have a pretty good idea of like different defenses and ideas but uh you know like with the with the three second rule for defenses in the NBA, like zones have to end up being like just kind of weird looking (laughs) and, you know, like you're kind of trying to figure out the rules as they go and, you know, exactly what the principles are and all this stuff. But, you know, like at the end, like I'm trying to think exactly when it was, I think maybe in the third quarter, like I just looked at Matt Velasquez and I was like, this is just a junk defense, right? Like, and you know, I think anyone that's around basketball enough knows that, you know, like sometimes teams just do weird stuff and try to mess with you. And I think it like the first time the Bucks saw it, it, it kind of messed them up, but also they were on, you know, the second night of a back to back. And, you know, when we talked to Giannis about it after the game, you know, I mentioned the idea that, you know, they've ran this zone, they've given you different looks and, you know, you struggled, more with them it felt like at the start of the year and now it seems like you, you you tend to have whatever they're doing defensively figured out and he was quick to remind me like you know that was the second night of a back-to-back and it, we, we were we had some tired legs and things like that but you know i think what what this bucks team has figured out and you know what i think they they struggled with uh, against zone looks at the start of the season was just kind of, you know, how do I attack enough? Like how do, how do you keep Giannis driving against the zone? Like how does he keep penetrating? Uh, and then also, oh my gosh, are they just going to leave me open for a three? Is that, is that what you're doing? Um, okay, I will take those threes. And, you know, I, I, think those two things kind of become difficult, you know, if you come down and immediately you see an open three and, you know, sometimes you think you shouldn't be open that early in a possession, so you don't shoot it. Other times uh, you take it very quickly. And I think it can take you out of a rhythm, but, you know, as time has gone on, I think the Bucks have really just kind of figured out that junk defense and like, uh, the heat don't have anything for him there. And then uh, ironically enough, you know, we were, we are talking a little bit, uh, you know, I think it was the last time they played the heat where it was just like, is James Johnson just out of the rotation? Now? Like, is, is that kind of what it, what it is? And, you know, he was then. And uh, on Friday night, he plays 25 minutes and it, it's, it's funny to think through all the times that we've seen someone at some point, slow down Giannis and uh, again yeah, like uh, I think because <laughs> Ruben Patterson coined himself a Kobe stopper I think we all ironically start calling people you know <laughs> that make Giannis you know uh, have a game where he struggles a little bit or contributes to that because Giannis would tell us that no one makes him struggle uh, that it's only him but you know like when you see those games and those moments you always think oh yeah you know this guy's a you know, a Giannis slower downer. And um, like, when, when you think through like James Johnson, like I think James Johnson used to be one of those guys, right? Like where it was like, man, he's going to have to go up against James Johnson. He's strong. He, he's able to move his body. And, you know, with the heat, like they're going to have white side on the backside who um, I think probably times out blocks on Giannis better than most um I don't know if it's the best in league but he's he tends to get Giannis every once in a while with a block um and like you just think through like oh yeah you know that's that's a team that he, he's gonna struggle against or you know they're, they're they're really gonna make him work hard and they, they just don't <laughs> anymore and like you, you think about Rudy Gobert in the first game when the Jazz really made Giannis work for for all of his points this season and then oh in the second game he destroyed rudy gobert and uh i think literally played
1: him literally played him off the court right this is the yes you know a defensive player of the year caliber player and literally the jazz had to bench him in order to defend the Bucks. i mean it's i I don't know if you're gonna see i mean i don't even know if Giannis can can replicate what what they did but um he was just barreling into rudy and gobert was just you know had some flops. He just literally had not just didn't know what to do. No, he he
0: had legitimately no answer. And, you know, I think again and again, when we think through all these things, we, we kind of see a, a moment or, you know, like a, a game or a quarter or whatever when that happens. And Giannis has just gotten so good at this point that at some point he's going to figure it out and know how to attack you. And he's just gonna kill you. <laughs> and, like uh, I mean, the other night he was talking about how well Joel and B him, and he scored fucking fifty two points. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't think he defends you that well. Um, so uh, I, to me, like uh, I think those teams do some interesting things. Obviously, uh, the Heat did it more recently, so that's why we're talking about them. But you know, Charlotte has done some interesting things, and you know, I think the last time that the Bucks saw Charlotte, they just kind of realize that okay, when they go super small against us, uh, we're gonna post up Brooke Lopez. And since Brooke makes slow post moves and they're not uh, real quick in like herky jerky like Giannis, and like that's I think Giannis tends to struggle when he's posting up smaller guys because he's very afraid of a charge because well he's probably gonna get one because someone's gonna flop. Brooke is just like so deliberate that you know that they can't do anything against it and then obviously he ends up having that huge third quarter against charlotte so um you know i think i guess the moral of the story kind of is to me that if you if you're gonna play the bucks you have to be talented to beat them like maybe maybe on one night you can have less talent than they have and find a way to scheme something up right or hit enough shots or, or whatever maybe you may be able to do it for a night but in a seven game series like I, I think it's gonna be to me it in, nearly impossible to beat the bucks if you're not you know what like one of the Four teams in the top five of the Eastern Conference with the Bucks.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I mean they start. Uh, He'd have been starting Linux and they've been I think playing a lot better. I mean I don't have the exact data on all of it, but I know they've been. I thought they had like one like nine out of twelve or something like that coming into I think Friday's game. Um, so they've been playing better, and I think I mean part of the challenge is I just you just watch them play, and it's just like it's just hard for them to score enough points, um, and yep. especially like on a, in a game like on Friday or the second half of the game in Miami. Um, if the Bucks are making shots, I mean, there's just, there's just nothing you can do with them really. Right. I mean, you can take, you know, even if you take away some of what Giannis can do, um, you know, like <laughs> you just have to hope that the Bucs miss tons of open shots. And I mean, that's kind of just been the story of the season is that, you know, opponents generally have to hope that the Bucks miss a lot of shots and they have to hope that they just make a lot of shot, make a lot of threes. And, you know, even then, um, you know, like that Dallas game, whatever. Where Dallas hits like a franchise record threes and they lose by double digits. You know, you still have enough. You know, and and less of a margin error with brogdon out because obviously he was a, a guy who could get things going to the rim as well. But um you know, with Giannis leading the way, obviously there's just a lot the Bucks can do to to attack the paint, attack the rim, and um, it, it's interesting because I mean, on paper, like you look at the Heat's um the Heat's bench. I mean, they're bringing Drogic, Wade, Whiteside, James Johnson off the bench. I mean. you'd think you plug and play those guys with some of the starters that like that should work. Okay. But um, you know, on Friday, those guys got got crushed and I mean, Dragic was awful. Oh, for nine. Whiteside kind of was a little bit of a garbage time star, Um, but he was a minus 23 Johnson minus 23, one out of seven. Um, You know, again, like Wade, 12 points on 11 shots. You know, obviously Wade can still have games where he kind of goes off, but um, you know, ultimately kind of the bucks second unit in particular, just demolished the the heat second units and the starters were better than the heat starters too. So kind of all in all, there wasn't really much that you could do with that. Um, and so I don't know, it, it's, it's, you know, I don't think we need to belabor it. Um, you know, you look at the numbers um, bucks hit 17 out of 34 from three on Friday. I mean, yeah, that's, that'll play, you know, uh, 33 assists. Um, you know, it just, again, it uh, didn't have a bonkers night in the paint 42 to 32. They still win there. Um, and, and so I think it's just, you know, again, as, as, as much as like Bama to bio seems like the kind of guy who is built to kind of like give Giannis or at least keep Giannis honest, honest, um, you know, he hasn't really shown a consistent ability to do that. I don't, I just don't know if he's long enough. I think the. I, I still feel like the biggest challenge for Giannis is is when you put just a monster center on him. Um, we saw Whiteside go against him on a few possessions. Uh, he had one in the second half. I think it was in the second half where he just like drove on him and hit like kind of a little like short hook slash. Um, I don't know, to call it a floater because it was like from like two or three feet out. But uh, but you know, it's one of those plays where like if it's somebody else, he might just try to dunk on him. Um, but with Whiteside, you know, he realized, okay, you know, (laughs) I'll shoot a little short shot over him instead. Um, so I, I think that's to me, if if I'm an opposing coach and I have like a big rim protector and again, like obviously Whiteside doesn't start, so it's less pronounced. Um, that's probably what I would do. I think, I think I saw that Giannis was seven out of 16 from the field against, um, Embiid. So he was eight out of 10 when he was facing non-Embiid guys, but he still scored like 23 points and, you know, had a few assists uh, when Embiid was guarding him. That's probably about as well as you're you're gonna kind of handle him. And as you said, he still sourced 52 points in the game because you know you can you can do things offensively to create switches and and get him matched up with other guys. And you know, like we saw in the very first play, and um, uh, Brian his Bucks film room on Twitter. You know, he called out a nice, a nice little breakdown of like the Bucks' first play of the game against the Heat on Friday. It was like a very deliberately designed play to get Giannis um, isolated against Kelly Olynyk and three-point play <laughs> right off the bat, right? And yep. um, I think that's you know the kind of thing that that every team is challenged by. That that Giannis is just at the point where you know, even if you have one guy who can maybe bug him, um, well. That guy's not just going to be able to, you know, you're, you're going to have things happen. They're going to move him around, and um, he's going to be able to go against guys that that are certainly less suited to, to defend him. So, um, you know, 27, 8, 7 assists, couple blocks uh, on Friday in just 28 minutes. Um, you know, encouraging to see. Uh, as you said, I mean, Johnson did play 25 minutes, didn't start. So I'm, I'm curious if, if Spolstra in a playoff matchup would change up his starting five To make it more like Giannis focused uh, defensively, I don't know if you would start Whiteside and Johnson. I think that's probably the pairing that would make Giannis's life the hardest. But I also don't know if that would actually like really. I don't. I'm not going to say that that's actually the best thing for for the Heat, just because you know Adibio is a much smarter. Decision maker with the ball, even though he's not a shooter, than than Whiteside is, and, and obviously Johnson, he shot okay on threes this year, but he's obviously not a Linux in terms of offensive skill set. So, um, so yeah, I'd say. Um, otherwise, I think the only other probably thing I'd really call out from Friday, um, you know, some some nice uh, some good three point shooting from the bench. D.J. Wilson, Urson combining for five out of five from three. Connaughton hit another two out of two. He's up to, I think, 32% from three. And then uh, Tony Snell, 10 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal a block. He actually filled up the box score a little bit starting, which is really nice to see, again, with some of the depth problems the Bucks have right now, or at least you know some of the guys missing. Nice to see that happening. And Chris Middleton didn't play as well on Sunday, but um, he had his third really strong game in a row. Uh, against the Heat, 18 points on 13 shots, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. Um, he's been, I'd say, looking better uh, really since, I guess, Brogdon kind of got hurt, um, which, uh, you know, is is I don't know if the, how much there is to that. You know, I think certainly maybe having one fewer guy who, who wants to get shots up probably maybe helps Chris get into a little bit more of an offensive rhythm. Um, but, uh, certainly a good time for that to be happening as, uh, as we were ready for the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else, all that interesting from Friday. I, you know, I thought it, it was, it was good to see the Bucks defense come back um yeah it, it, 89 it, defensive it, rating that's nice <laughs> yeah it, it, it had been a while since one of those happened and you know you look at the final three quarters 19 in the second quarter for the heat 18 in the third and 18 in the fourth and obviously there was some garbage time in that fourth quarter but still three quarters under 20 in each of those quarters like that's that's something that we we just haven't seen in a while and you know i do think a lot of it is uh, obviously George Hill coming back it that that helps them a lot i think defensively just cuz he's so strong at the point of attack uh with those long arms he's not eric blood so quick or anything but you know he does have long arms he makes it hard for uh you know like especially bench point guards like a backup point guard to go up against George Hill like that's that's a pretty tough ask like you you're probably not going to have you, you know the best night there and then you know i, I thought the other thing was Sterling Brown, um, I think a minute into his 15 minutes, he got matched up on Dwayne Wade and, uh, saw that he had Wade and before Wade got the ball, started clapping, uh, and like getting ready to get up and into Dwayne Wade. And it was just like, Sterling's back. Okay. Yep. That's. That's that's him, um, and, and again, like it, it wasn't it wasn't the best game for Sterling, and you know I, I think we've talked about how sometimes the the numbers have not been so kind to Sterling Brown, where um, you know he, it's been a, a super positive impact for him on the floor. So uh, that's not always the best thing, but you know I, I talked to Bud about it a little bit before the game, but you know it does feel like he does have, I, I mean there's a reason we we call him we call him a motherfucker right like that's, <laughs> that's what he is like he is going to give you some edge he's going to give you some physicality he's going to you know just he's just going to get into people defensively and it, that and again that shouldn't say that that's not to say like oh he's the best defender in the league or anything like that but you know you add someone that's going to be that physical with opposing guards you add in George Hill who's gonna be good on the ball all of a sudden you have a defense that is a lot more solid and you know I again like I said I not to say those are the only two two guys that play defense and and that's why the defense is good but you know being able to have them back I, I think can be really big for this team.
1: Yeah, and um, maybe this transits into uh, the discussion of, of the Sunday game. I, I thought the the best part about Sunday's game, other than um, Marcus's jersey retirement, as far as the actual game goes, um, I mean, Giannis kind of cruises to another 26, 10 rebounds, seven assists, plus 23, four blocks. Uh, I believe he had nine dunks. Two of them in the first half were just like, I, I don't even know how he got dunks out of them, just you know, again, just like we become numb to these. If he did these, like, you know, in his second year, we would have just been like, you know, rewatching The Vine on loot for like the <laughs> next few days because like they were just nuts. Now it's just like, oh, yeah, he just barreled through two dudes and just dunked two handed on their heads or he just, you know, wrong foot lefty dunked on Tristan Thompson's head, just even though Thompson was like sizing him up and backing up to try to measure him out. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Um, but um, yeah. I think the, the really interesting thing from, sunday's game and seen a couple hints at it since he came back but um george hill hitting seven out of eight shots um he had i think a couple threes on friday as well um you know george hill has been interesting this season because you know if two years ago you told eric name and frank madden that george hill would be the backup point guard on the 18 19 bucks we would have said whoa that's awesome. Because let's be honest, George Hill has been kind of the guy we often talked about as like the <laughs> kind of a- attainable non all star, you know, guy yes. who might be perfect to pair with Giannis. And so for George Hill to I mean, th- this is kind of one of those things like, if the Bucks do what we hope they're capable of doing in the playoffs, I think, you know, the salary dump slash get George Hill move um, with the Cavs, you know, moving Henson and Delhi's salaries to open up flexibility and getting dealt, uh, getting Hill's expiring contract at the cost of, you know, basically a heavily protected first, I think that's going to be looked at as, as just a massive trade because especially with Brogdon being hurt, you know, Hill obviously is, is really important. And it's been a weird season for Hill because... Like, Georgetown lineups have been great. Like, Cleaning the Glass has him at plus 11 net rating in his lineups. Um, when he's played with Giannis and Chris, he's been plus 17. When he's played with just Chris, it's plus 15. Um, you know, he's been a really nice, more defensive and kind of, like, tempo anchor than anything. But, I mean, he hasn't shot the ball at all. Like, <laughs> I think he gave in the weekend, she like, 28% from three. He's been under 40% from the field. I mean, this is... As far as, like, actually, like, productivity scoring-wise in particular, you know, this has not been anything close to the George Hill that that we've seen in the past. And, you know, last year, he really dropped off in terms of usage. I mean, his numbers were nothing special playing with LeBron. Um, but this year, I mean, he's been, I'd say, well below his what, what he's capable of since he came over in the trade. And, um, I mean, this is one of those guys, he's one of those guys who, you know, first-round even in the second round, who knows where where Malcolm Brogdon is going to be in his recovery from uh, from the foot injury? I mean, George Hill could be closing games. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like you know, there have been uh, you know, there's a chance that um, even if you come back, I mean, Bledsoe has not been playing well of late, um, and so I think in particular in that light of that, if George Hill can give you good minutes. Not that George Hill is going to like take Bledsoe's spot or something, but you know it's it's within the realm of possibility that you know George Hill could be playing important roles late in games. Um, We saw them playing Hill and Bledsoe playing together a little bit today. Um, So I think that's a really like we kind of like you know because everybody else was healthy for for a large part. You know Brown was out and Hill was out for that for that while, and we kind of just like you know it's like you didn't really talk much about Hill because kind of like Miritich, like you know Bucks were good without him too, and so he since he hasn't been great um it was easy to kind of lose sight of him but man he's an important player and you know when you look at this bench and there's a ton of guys who can contribute and I, I like that you called out Sterling he was uh even better on Sunday with 12 points on eight shots um on Friday he had a couple really nice kind of um screens that turn into little pick and roll dishes one for Giannis dunk, um and I think another DJ might have had a lane or I forget who it was um but I mean Brown and and to a lesser extent brown but hill in particular man if those guys can a stay healthy the the rest of the regular season and b find a little bit more of a rhythm and start making some shots i mean sterling's you know three-point shot has been pretty good especially he's been great from the corners all year but if hill can find a shot a little bit that's that's really big especially with with brogdon kind of being out until who knows right maybe hopefully he's back for the second round and who knows what it'll be like then but you know having hill as as potentially if he can be anything close to the george hill we've kind of gotten used to the past few years that's that's big
0: yeah it it's funny um you know like there's there's just times during a season where you know you think about different things and uh, george so the moment that stands out to me with george hill was uh that indiana game right before the all-star break
1: yeah, where yeah.
0: He he has that. I think it's eight, seven points, eight points in the in the third quarter, um, or maybe yeah. I think it was like the third rim, quarter. yeah. And like he was attacking, and like he just kept them afloat in that game. And you know, I remember talking to him after the game, and uh, Bud said that you know like we need George to be more aggressive and I've told George that he needs to be more aggressive and like, that's, that's really when he's going to be good and and we need that. And like, it it stuck out to me then. And, you know, like we talked to George about it after the game and he was like, you know, it, it's kind of hard when you get traded to the best team in the league because you start to think like in your head, like, you know, what do they need? Like they're they're the best team in the league. Like I'm just I'm I'm gonna come in and not screw it up. Like that that's the goal, right? Like they're already the best team in the league. I don't want to get added to this and screw it up. And you know it's it kind of felt like as we talked through it, like you know that leads to being less aggressive. That leads to like okay, you know what? I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be the the part of this that gets screwed up. So you know, I'll just come in, play my role. If I get an open shot, I'll, you know, I'll hit it. uh, I'll I'll make the right passes. uh, I'll get everyone involved. And uh, that, that conversation kind of came up again over the weekend where it was just like, okay, that with Malcolm Brogdon out, like that's, that's one of the things that they need more of, right? Like Brogdon was driving. I I think I put it in my story at the athletic last week, but I I think it was 10.2 drives per game. And that's third most on the team. They have three guys that have 10 or more drives in a game uh, Giannis, Bledsoe, and Brogdon. And, you know, with with him out, like, you, you got to find a way to kind of do more of that. And for Middleton, like, that's not, that's never going to be his thing. Like, if you're watching Chris go to the basket and, and try to beat someone off the bounce, like, you're probably more comfortable with that turning into, like, a, uh, a short runner where he like bumps someone out of the way and then it's like a floater off the glass or like he stops and does a turnaround like he did uh, against the Cavs on Sunday. Like, you know, like that's when you're going to feel most comfortable. So someone else has to kind of fill some of that. And, you know, right now it feels like it's George Hill. And I do think it could be really big in the next month or so that, you know, they get an aggressive George Hill and he's able to, you know, kind of, you know, assert himself a, a little bit more into what the Bucks are doing and, you know, be a little bit more of of a playmaker and a scorer. And, you know, like he, he's, I don't know if he's ever going to be, well, I know he's not going to be Indiana George Hill again. And, you know, maybe he, he won't even be Cleveland George Hill again, but he, this is yeah, a guy yeah. that Come I- on,
1: Cle- Cleveland George Hill is
0: not too much of an
1: ass. Jazz George Hill may be a bit of an ass,
0: but yeah, Cleveland, sure. let's, let's, not, let's not be too, be sleeping on him too much, yeah. But, like, you know, like, that's it, more than just a bit player is kind of what I'm yeah. saying. Like, you know, like, that's that's the guy that they, like, largely because, as you said, they were so healthy, they've been so good, he kind of comes through and, you know, he's just been a bit player. While you know, to close out this season, they're probably going to need him to step into a little bit larger role and, you know, assert himself a little bit more. And I, I would agree when you watch this weekend, like, you can see just how big that might be. And, you know, they're working through some injuries with him and trying to get him more and more minutes. And, you know, they're going to have to keep working on that. Um, But, you know, there was times this year where he was playing, like, 30 minutes in a game. He was closing for Bledsoe, or he was closing with Bledsoe. Like, he was was doing some of those things, and I I would totally agree. I I don't think it would be a surprise to me if that ends up coming through in the next couple weeks. Um, Otherwise,
1: I mean, I think the game on – the game on, on Sunday, I think, kind of stood out for me because, again, it's just kind of like the game against Miami to some extent. They, Bucks hit 37% of the threes against Cleveland, but they hit a bunch early, and it was just kind of when I was like, all right, like, Brook Lopez is just hitting 30-footers. Like, that's happening. Like, you know, death from above if you're if you're Cleveland, like, just – you know what are you supposed to do with this right like this just um there's just not much to do with this Snell played well again I thought um unfortunately sprained his ankle did come back um but I will
0: say that that was a fat ankle yeah uh, we saw room. it after the game uh it is it was a fat ankle and then I don't know that I've laughed at something more in a locker room than Tony Snell uh wheeling himself in the, so they have like office, like wheelie, like kind of like office chairs by the desks, or like, uh, like a desk chair kind of by all of their lockers. And Tony Snell, like wheeled himself to the showers. And then since it was t- like by the showers, it's tile flooring. Like you could just hear him like dragging, like across like uh, <laughs> the tiles. And it was like, Oh, where's Tony Going, Oh, yeah. sounds like he went around the corner now. And, that that was obviously funny and uh, to me uh because it was just so ridiculous to see an NBA player doing that, but also that tells you how serious the the ankle was actually sprained and it, it was fat and it was pretty big and uh you know we'll see if that means he's out on on tuesday i, I it wouldn't shock me if he is um just because of how badly it appeared to be sprained but um you know, maybe maybe he toughs it out and plays through. Like, uh, Houston is, is obviously a very good team, and, you know, maybe he'll want to play in that one or try to play in that one, but obviously the Bucks, I, I don't think, with the way that they've had injuries as of late, I don't think there's any way that they're going to push someone to to play injured.
1: Yeah, and we are probably somewhat spoiled by Giannis um, having, again, a knock on wood here, as I say, this, seemingly, you know, bionic ankles where, um, you know, even when he seems to sprain it pretty badly. He never seems to miss more than a game or two, or in this case, tweaked it uh, the other night and, and still played today. Um, I, I got nervous. I don't know if you noticed it live, but um, on a the dunk. dunk he had when, yeah, when Brooke uh, gave him a little dump off uh, from the, to the dunker spot where he dunked and kind of came down on top of, I think it was Kevin Love um, and just kind of like reflexively. I don't, I don't think he actually turned it, but he kind of like took a step Afterwards, mm-hmm. like as though it, it, it he, he might have tweaked it, but then he just kept running. Obviously, you know, he didn't go down. There was no kind of obvious um, sign from him that, that he had really heard it. Uh, and then obviously he kept playing and then regressed it and even came back at the very end of the game um, for, for one last dunk as kind of the Cavs were vaguely hanging around in the fourth quarter. I don't know if you heard anything about – did he say anything in the locker room afterwards about the ankle or anything anything to report there?
0: For Giannis, no, um, he he seemed to, uh, he's, he's, he's bionic. Um, <laughs> like I, I'm sure there probably is some pain there, but um, you know, before the game, I think I was at least curious if, if he would end up playing, he was listed as questionable uh, before it. And you know, they're playing the calves. I, I could see you sitting him out. Um, but the the Bucks decided not to. He played, and yeah, we we didn't hear anything. I, I mean, I shouldn't say we didn't hear anything. We talked about it, and he said, "No, you know, ankle's fine." Um, but that's what he says all the time. That's what he. <laughs> that's I don't. He's I don't think he's ever admitted uh, feeling any sort of pain at any point. But uh, that was. No, I don't think there's anything there uh, to report. And obviously, you know, with the Cavs
1: having beaten the Bucks a few days ago. I kind of feel like that probably also might have, you know, if, if there was any doubt um, about playing him today, I'm sure Giannis probably said he was fine. And, you know, I mean, again, could they have beaten this version of uh, the Cavs with, without Giannis? I'm, I'm sure they can, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. they they may have kind of struggled and couldn't get over the hump in Cleveland the other night. Um, but, you know, they're, they do have a number of guys back who, who weren't available the other day, including George Hill. And so, I'm sure they could have, but again, I think part of it also, I imagine is, you know, the Bucks, and the Bucks, they want to lock up this, this number one seat, I'm sure. Right. I mean, they, they don't want to screw around with this too much. I don't think they're going to, you know, endanger guys health or anything like that. But, um, you know, a few days ago, obviously uh, after the, the loss to Cleveland, you know, I think the lead was down to two, two games in the last column between uh, the Raptors and Bucks. The Bucks have the tiebreaker as well. So there was still, you know, kind of that glimmer of hope. I think I think uh, I want to say that I forgot it was a basketball reference or some site had a, like a five percent chance of uh, Toronto coming back, um, but Toronto losing a couple of games since then against uh, Oklahoma City at home, and now uh, this game against Charlotte on the weekend, and the Bucks winning both their games uh, back up to four games in the loss column, um, and obviously that that gives you a, a degree of of comfort that you know again not that you're going to start like resting guys left and right, um, but especially kind of uh, over the next couple of weeks, um, you know, you're not resting anybody against, <laughs> against the Rockets that you don't have to, uh, you know, obviously that game has significance um, as the Rockets have been playing well. And it's obviously, you know, the MVP showdown basically. So uh, I, nobody's getting, no, Giannis in particular is not resting that game. You're going to have to, you know, lock him out of the building probably to, to prevent him from playing in that game. Um, so, so it will be interesting to see kind of how they manage it, but uh you know, certainly now 55 and 19, you've got eight games left. Uh, you only need to go five and three to hit 60 wins, you know, for us as fans, I think that's, that's a fun number to get to. And obviously, um, you know, if you get to, if you get to, to, uh, to 60, that means that the Raptors can't, can't beat you anyway. Right. So, uh, there's at least a a bit of a practical, uh, a practical benefit to that as well. So, um, I don't know anything else from, from the weekend that that bears mentioning
0: the last time we recorded a podcast, I told you that the magic number was eight and eight is, you know, the, the combined number of bucks wins and Raptors losses that the bucks would need to seal up uh, the number one spot. Uh, the magic number is now four. Uh, so that means the bucks could go 500 the rest of the way if they wanted, because they have eight games remaining. Uh, they could do that or, or, you know, the Raptors could lose a game and then they would just need to win three of them um, or the Raptors could lose twice and then they would just need to win two of them. So um, there was, you know, the I think the the podcast I recorded for, for Friday, there was uh, in the Twitterverse some uh, I don't want to say panic. Well, maybe it was panic um, just because it was I think, you know, you had the the ugly calves loss paired with a bunch of injuries paired with the Raptors being a little bit closer than they typically are. And I will say like, it's, I think it's just nice that, you know, after the weekend, that number is down to four and we don't really ever need to kind of talk about, you know, how, how the Raptors are definitely going to catch the bucks now or, or something like that. Uh, it, it, it was unlikely then and it appears even more actually it doesn't appear even more unlikely it is even more unlikely now uh, as obviously the raptors lost some and the bucks won some as well so um i think that's going to be it for us um i'm trying to one, think the, one, go ahead yeah the only thing else i'd say is i mean to me it's almost at this point like it's not even so much like
1: the kind of practical emphasis, impact on the standings like i don't even know like with the celtics and and sixers it's like i mean i think I think that kind of is what it is at this point. Like, I think uh, the Sixers are going to finish third. And I guess I'm rooting for the Celtics who lost again today um, against Team like, meeting again 20, tonight. Another team meeting. They're yep. very, a uh, lot of uh, very, very booked outlook calendars um, for the. Uh, <laughs> For the for, for the Boston Celtics, ban meeting. How, how, um, how,
0: funny, how funny would it be if that was what it was like? Kyrie after the game sends out a quick uh, Outlook notification. To everyone, all right, we're gonna have a team meeting here in five minutes, guys. Just so you know, yeah. uh, throw that on your camera real quick. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, I just mainly—I mean, we
1: saw Philly uh, lose uh, to the Hawks. The I don't—I guess I don't know if resurgent is the right word, but but um, the playing very well of late Atlanta Hawks. We will see the Hawks twice more. Trae Young's been great uh, for for a little while now. Um, and John Collins has been good all year. So they they beat the uh, uh, Sixers on a buzzer beater or virtual buzzer beater. Um, and so I, I'm just happy to see, even if those teams are, you know, kind of looking forward to, to the playoffs as well. I'm just glad to say, I, I just don't want to see any of those teams like going in on like, you know, like surging and winning like their last 10 games or something like that. Just cause you know, I, I'd like to continue to have a little bit of questioning and doubt and uh, discord if possible <laughs> uh, as, as we head into the playoffs. Um, especially, I mean the Celtics are especially interesting in that regard. Cause there's a, I'd say increasingly likely chance that they will not um, have home court. They're uh, two games back in the last column on the Pacers. So Um, very, very interesting to kind of monitor that because certainly, I mean, again, like I'm, I mean, do I trust the Pacers enough to pick the Celtic, to pick them even if with home court against, against the Celtics? I don't know. Um, but if the Celtics don't have their shit together, like Pacers, Pacers will probably beat them, you know, like, like Mm -hmm. it it at least puts the puts the emphasis on Boston to actually have to figure stuff out. Um, and that's going to be harder if, if they're playing four out of seven in Indiana, where you know Pacers are just one of those bit teams that just you know they're they're just they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna come at you and they're gonna work hard and um, you know people have underestimated them all season. So uh, them beating the the, the Celtics in uh, in the first round, I mean that would be like a real. Say, I feel like that would be a very correct outcome for this season. You know, given everything we know about both of those teams you know, the way that, that, and, and myself included, like I've, I've slept on the Pacers. I didn't think they were a top four team. I thought they were kind of a lock for five. And, uh, and that was even before the Oladipo injury. So for them, they can keep going and, and obviously Boston, um, <laughs> and just how people have continually tried to talk themselves back into Boston and they just continually do this kind of stuff. They've lost four in a <laughs> row now. Um, so anyway, m- much more to talk about tomorrow. We can have the the preview of the MVP showdown on, on, the. Uh, on Tuesday as well. But, uh, yeah, nice little weekend for the bucks. Congratulations to Marcus Johnson. Congrats to the bucks for continuing to roll and, um, fingers crossed that Tony Snell came out of that uh, shower, uh, <laughs> feeling, feeling a little less gimpy on that ankle. Cause, uh, he's been playing well and, and a lot of the bucks, uh, role players, especially now that, that we need them, uh, with some of these injuries, uh, Hopefully that uh, keeps rolling this week.
0: All right. That is going to be it for us for today. Bucks win twice over the weekend, moved to 55 in 19 on the season. As Frank mentioned, 55, huh? That 55 win team. That feels, uh, that feels okay to say, huh? Um, so Bucks win twice, beat the heat. One 87 on Friday, one twenty-seven one Oh five here on Sunday. So that is going to be it for us for today. Unlocked on Bucks. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.